Today is all about a month in review of Destiny 2. Welcome back to Gamer Loop Radio, everyone. I'm your host, Verita Amore, and we are going to take a look back at the month of May for Destiny 2. Season of the Splicer launched on May 11th, and while it was a little bumpy for the Bungie servers, don't worry, Bungie, I don't need any more honeydew, the story, gameplay, and loot kicked everything off in the best way possible. Let's dig into it. Week 1, beginning on May 11th, we are launched right into the new story mission where we are rescuing Mithrax and the House of Light on Europa. The Splicers are going to help us infiltrate the Vex network, and as a result, we are going to house them as refugees in the Batsa district. Many of you Destiny vets will recognize this as the former location for the boss fight for the Scourge of the Past raid. We are able to interact with Ido, Mithrax's daughter, and other items and spaces within the refugee camp to learn more about Elixni culture and specifically the House of Light. They respect us as guardians and respect that we also worship the Great Machine or the Traveler. We are also greeted by Lakshmi too. None of us knew where she was and now we do. She is the leader of the Future War Cult and she is back and she is concerned. She has looked into the future using Vex technology and has seen the city in ruins with Mithrax at the center of it. First of all, I don't buy it. Guardians are paracausal, and we have so far prevented the dark future seen by Elsie Bray, because we were an unknown variable in those scenarios. Second of all, she insists that the Vex technology she is using to see into the future is safe. Typically, when you have to reiterate that, it's not safe at all. That plot point has yet to be seen but I have a feeling that's foreshadowing a little bit for us. Ada-1 is also back for armor synthesis or transmog, a long-awaited feature for a lot of Guardians in Destiny 2. While the quest is a little lengthy, we are now treated to the ability to make any of the armor that we have gathered in the past into an ornament for our Guardians. Personally, I have made several of my former armor pieces into ornaments and wear them proudly on my Titan. As part of our first quest within this first week of the season, we are then treated to the new Six Guardian activity, Override, launching on Europa. The job of our fire team is to infiltrate the Vex network and take down the subjugated mind within. There are champions, and the enemies and bosses rotate on a weekly basis. Additionally, there are two chests, one with and one without the Splicer Gauntlet to open, revealing some of the fantastic new weapons in this season's loot pool. As a quick creator note, I had a bit of a chuckle to myself. In one of the notes with, for this podcast, I have specifically written down under the weapons section, new override activity weapons, TLDR, all of them slap, and my co-creator Jimmy had a good laugh about it. However, it is 100% true. Among quite a few new weapons, the new override activity offers a new AR, the Chroma Rush, Grenade Launcher, the Ignition Code, Grid Skipper, the Pulse Rifle, and the Farewell Sidearm. All of them offer fantastic roles with a lot of new perks to enjoy. I highly recommend farming them when and where you can. We also have new ritual activity weapons. The Vanguard Strike playlist brings back a new sniper, a new fusion, and the Hung Jury Scout Rifle. Nostalgic for a lot of you Dead Orbit folks, this is a great new scout to have in your arsenal. Crucible offers a new hand cannon, and Gambit offers a new solar SMG. 
both of which I have and quite enjoy. The new seasonal weapon with ornaments for Vanguard, Crucible, and Strikes is a fusion rifle, which again, given the buffs made prior to the start of the season, I'm really enjoying how well that works in a lot of activities. The first new exotic weapon of the season is released as well, and it is a stasis sidearm. The main perk of this sidearm is final blows enable a charged shot for a short duration. Targets hit by this shot are instantly frozen at the cost of the full magazine. Messing around with this weapon in Override has been a lot of fun, and I look forward to unlocking the catalyst for it. We also have new gear to enjoy, new exotic legs for the Warlock, Titan, and Hunter. The Hunter receives Star Eater Scales, orbs of power grant additional super energy with the ability to charge beyond your usual super meter to deal extra damage when cast as well as adding an overshield. Warlocks receive Boots of the Assembler. Healing and empowering rifts create projectiles which seek out friendly players to give them buffs. Titans receive Path of the Burning Steps, less affected by stasis effects while solar elimination slowly boosts weapon damage. I can say that I have all three and have tried all three and enjoy all of them. I highly recommend farming the Legend and Master Lost Sectors for these awesome new exotics to add to your arsenal. The seasonal artifact offers some big changes for anti-barrier overload and unstoppable, as well as a few seriously big spender mods. Starting with the first column, we now have anti-barrier auto rifle, thank goodness, I miss that, Overload Hand Cannon, and Unstoppable Sidearm, a nice change to the overall Unstoppable Overload Anti-Barrier setup we had from prior seasons. The second column offers a little bit of foreshadowing into what's going to be powerful for this season. We have Grenade Launcher Scavenger, Rocket Launcher Scavenger, and Blast Radius, which allows you to become charged with light with grenade or rocket launcher kills. Column 3 is a little bit of the same, but a few interesting mods there. We of course have Unflinching Auto Rifle Aim, but we also have Argent Ordnance. While charged with light, readying or firing a rocket launcher grants it increased damage and reload speed. We also have Ashes to Assets gain bonus super energy on grenade kills. Column 4 and Column 5 are where the real interesting mods come into play. In Column 4, we have Unstoppable Grenade Launcher. While costing 7 energy is 100% worth it for some of the more challenging content, given the new grenade launcher we received this season, and for anybody who has Anarchy, this is a must-have in your arsenal. We also have Hammer of the Warmind, stun, overload, or unstoppable champions by detonating a Warmind cell. Fantastic news for you Warmind cell build fans out there. We also have Sundering Blast. Stunning champions creates an explosive blast. Surge Detonators, Arc Grenade Stun Overload Champions, and the return of Unstoppable Schwarzchild Condenser, Void Melee Stuns, Unstoppable Champions. Column 5 is where things start to get really spicy. We have Breach and Clear. When using a grenade launcher, damaging a boss, champion, or breaking combatant shield reloads your stowed weapons and causes combatants to take increased damage. I can say without a doubt, this is a must-have for the raid and for any content where you are having to take down powerful enemies or champions. I took this into a Lost Sector. I've taken this into Gambit. It is on all of my builds now. It is absolutely fantastic. We also have Glacial Inheritance, defeating targets with Stasis Super refunds energy. Warmind's Decree, Void Splash Damage Final Blows have a chance to create Warmind Cells. Impulse Recycler, Grenade Final Blows grant grenade energy. And Energy Accelerant, your Dragonfly chain reaction, and firefly explosions deal more damage. And you heard it right, firefly is back and better than ever. 
The first this week at Bungie Post, dropped on the 13th of May, provides some more information on the weapon drops, specifically the seasonal weapon drops from Vanguard, Crucible, and Gambit, the future war cult weapons that have been released as part of the loot pool, and new class-based swords. There is also a reminder in there that Iron Banner starts on the next reset, offering a new sniper, LMG, hand cannon, and shotgun. The Destiny community was alight with excitement around the Elixni hatchlings that were featured in the reveal trailer for the new season, and Bungie is going to deliver on that excitement with an Elixni hatchling plushie coming soon. I have no idea how much it's going to cost, but I guarantee I'm going to end up owning one. There was also a huge known issues list and patch uh, list of patch notes that were released as part of this TWAB and prior to the season starting. I highly recommend if you're not too familiar with any of the changes that have been made or notice some things about your weapons or armor that are a little bit different, definitely give those patch notes and the known issue list a read. Uh, the patch notes were very lengthy and the known issues list is updated on a regular basis. We were also treated to new UI changes for the helm, your overall appearance options, and the new bounty and quest UI, which I can say I'm enjoying that UI change quite a bit. I personally find I'm a little bit more organized in what I have to do on a regular basis, and I'm having a great time using all of it. Starting in week two, beginning on the 18th of May, the story continues with Lakshmi 2 continuing to sow dissent into the hearts and minds of the citizens of the last city. As we get through the next override activity, now opened up on the moon, at the end of that quest we are witness to a discussion between Mithrax and Saint-14. They are arguing over supplies, and Mithrax poses a question to Saint, asking him if he were to come into Mithrax's city, does Saint believe that Mithrax would comply with Saint's requests? Saint reluctantly says yes, and Mithrax posits that, of course they would, because they wouldn't want to die. Saint-14 recognizes the weight of this discussion and agrees to split the incoming supplies with Mithrax and his people. As mentioned, the override activity now is open on the moon and offers a slightly more difficult route to get to the subjugated mind, along with additional champions, some more teleports, and now we're dealing with the hive in addition to the Vex. This week at Bungie was posted on the 20th of May within this second week, and offers additional discussion around the Vault of Glass Raid, requirements for Worlds First, and of course the sweet Bungie rewards that come with them. We are also given information on the very first cross-play beta for Destiny 2. A cross-play strikes playlist was opened for three days, the 25th through the 27th, to allow for Bungie to gain feedback around the cross-play experience. Those who completed three strikes in that playlist during that time frame were offered a fantastic new emblem to sport, showing that they participated and hopefully all that information given to Bungie helps refine the crossplay experience for everybody when it is released next season. Of course, the biggest thing that everybody was waiting for within this week was the Vault of Glass raid. The Vault of Glass has opened back up and we must defeat Atheon to complete the full raid. There was a little bit of old, a little bit of new, and a lot of new challenges offered in this remastered version of this fantastic raid. Contest mode was active for the first 24 hours, and I need to offer a huge congrats to anyone who was able to complete all or part of this raid during that contest mode. Our fire team within our clan gave it our best, and we rallied after contest mode was over to complete the raid within that weekend. A lot of the encounters operated in a similar fashion to that of the original Vault of Glass raid, with a few small differences mainly surrounding the oracles, and if you don't already hear those oracles in your sleep, congratulations, you are not obsessed just yet with the Vault of Glass. As part of the new weapon pool, we are treated to Vision of Confluence, Fatebringer, 
and of course, Vex Mythoclast for those lucky enough to have received it upon completion of the raid. Hopefully my RNG is a little bit better as I continue to clear the raid going forward. We are also of course treated to Firefly and Rewind Rounds as some of the perks on the new weapons, and I'm looking forward to testing out those rolls on all of the weapons I've received. We'll be doing a greater review of the Vault of Glass raid in a future podcast. In the final week of May for the season of the Splicer, Lakshmi2 and Osiris have asked Mithrax to give Lakshmi2 full access to the Vex data we recover when completing Override. Mithrax does not believe this is the best way to stop the Vex and is concerned about her intentions, but hopes that if he complies, she will start to believe that he and the House of Light are not her enemy. Mithrax believes he has found a way to stop the Vex by entering their network directly and essentially consecrating it, which is the new expunge activity beginning this week. Lakshmi 2 continues to sow dissent among the citizens, trying to convince them that the fallen, in any shape or form, are still the enemy, and we cannot so easily forgive and forget. Ikora decided to give them refuge without the people's consent, and Lakshmi 2 banks on this to advise folks that she has been looking into the future using Vex technology again, and says, unless we change course, bloodshed is inevitable. As mentioned, the new activity, soon to be a pinnacle activity, is Expunge. Analysis of the Vex subjugated minds have revealed a labyrinth domain of the Vex nexus, governed by a powerful, oppressive mind. Destroy this mind and the entire domain will collapse. Mithrax sends us in with our splicer gauntlet to take down the suppressive mind, and let me tell you, this entire jumping puzzle is peak synthwave vibes. It is fantastic, it is challenging, and I look forward to running this on a weekly basis, getting some sweet new pinnacle gear. The final This Week at Bungie post, released on the 27th of May, includes an interview with the world's first team for Vault of Glass. It's a great interview to read. I highly recommend it. Again, congratulations to these guys for knocking it out of the park. Fantastic job. Most notably in this post, however, is an outline of changes being made as part of a massive stasis balancing being done on June 6th. Bungie is pulling forward this update from Season 15 into the current season, which shows a sense of urgency and commitment to making the PvP experience better. All of these changes are taking place on the PvP side for all of the subclasses within the stasis world, and hopefully we should expect to see a lot of balance for the PvP experience, especially on the side of stasis, and I'm looking forward to seeing how those changes feel as I hop back into PvP. There is going to be a balance for the light-based subclasses as well, but that is going to come much later. I highly recommend reading through the details of this balancing patch, if, especially if you PvP. We're going to see a lot of changes, and I'm, again, curious to see how it all pans out once it's live. Overall, the first month of Season of the Splicer was a really great one. We tackled a lot of important issues with the storyline that we've been experiencing. A lot of really great changes are coming up for Stasis that will hopefully please the PvP community in a big way. We have a new six-man activity, a new dungeon slash jumping puzzle, and of course, the Vault of Glass. I'm coming for you, Atheon. You just wait. Thank you all for taking the time to listen to this Destiny 2 month in review. Again, I'm your host, Verita, and you can find me under VeritaAmore87 on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to leave us a rating or review on your preferred podcasting platform. We would love to hear from you. Feel free to email us, ask us questions, tell us what you liked or what can be improved. Do you have any suggestions on topics or game reviews? Just give us a shout. You can find additional episodes of Gamer Loop Radio on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. 
thank you for listening to our podcast. Roger, zero, J, 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 J. I feel fine, fine, fine. I have to be in orbit.